Have you ever struggled with feelings of not being good enough, not feeling worthy enough, maybe not being accepted by others? It's probably something that most of us have struggled with at one time or another during our lives. We invite you to join the Care Pastors on our podcast series, What's the Matter with Me?, as we take a look at the origins of shame. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Care Ministries podcast here at Brookwood Church. And uh, we're excited to be with you as we start a new series that is entitled, What's the Matter with Me? And uh, Yeah, but what's the title? We, yes, can, we can address yes, that question. That was but. fantastic. Thank you, Joshua. Um, you know, and I guess the, the, the question is, have you ever asked yourself that question? And so what we're going to propose to you over the next several weeks is uh, that this is connected to uh, a pretty deep uh, issue in a lot of people, and that is shame. Um, so we're going we're gonna to spend today's podcast... Uh, kind of give an overview of what we're going to do during this series. And uh, we're also going to look at some scripture uh, that we think um, kind of sets this whole thing in motion. So uh, I am here, as always, with Joshua J. Masters. Hello. And Douglas Wildman. Hey there. And we also have another Josh in here who is, yes, he's not Katie at the helm. He's not he is, Katie at the helm. He is he's Josh Joshy at the, at the helm. Joshy. Yes. So yeah, what is shame? Um, you know, I think it's a word uh, that we hear a lot, and um, we're not necessarily going to use Webster's uh, dictionary definition, but I think uh, we're going to um, take a look at what the difference between shame and guilt is. So, um, you know, one of the easy things about shame is shame is, in its essence, believing that you are bad. Right. That seem. I mean, in its truest sense, in its simplest definition. That you are bad. Yeah, that that's what shame is. Yeah, right. Not that what you did was bad, but that you at your core are bad. It's an identity issue. Identity issue, yeah. yes. Whereas guilt would be more about <clears throat> actions or behaviors. Right. So I would say guilt is regret for something you have done. Mm-hmm. Whereas shame is regret for who you are. Mm. And that's a really big difference. Yeah, and I think if we're honest, there is some confusion. And maybe those who are, if you're listening and you're new in your faith, um, because when you come to faith, you're you're told uh, that you're separated from God, <clears throat> that you're under God's wrath, and that um, there's nothing good in you. And then... Because of God's grace, he says, okay, I'm going to impart Christ's righteousness to you. Now you're perfect. But I may still be doing the same things I was doing before, that when I did those, I was being told I was no good. And now I'm doing the same thing because I'm still growing in Christ. And now people are saying, well, no, you just need to receive God's grace. You're perfect. You know, you have the Holy Spirit in you, so that means you're good. And so I think people struggle with that because they're still... They hear it, but in reality, their experience is, is still the same mentality than as before they got saved, which is something's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Right. And not to get too far into the weeds of theology, but that's the difference between what we call sanctification right. and justification. Yep. 
right? Justification is instantaneous. Mm -hmm. So the reason that we appear perfect to God through the Holy Spirit is because he's looking at us through the lens of Jesus Christ, who is perfect, right? And his sacrifice. But sanctification is a process that takes us our entire lives. So although our the righteousness of Christ is credited to us immediately. We have growing to do. Right. That's a good point. Um, and then, I, you know, we're going to spend some time, you know, coming up with uh, how to become aware of it, um, you know, in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, dealing with some concrete examples of... Um, you know, when shame may rear its ugly head. You yeah. know, a lot of times for husbands and wives uh, during um, arguments or what I call unfruitful discussions, um, shame will rear its head. And mm-hmm. so what ends up happening is is we're unable to, to focus on the issue at hand because now I'm dealing with this voice inside of me that is saying I'm wrong. That's exactly right, yeah. And I would go even further and say that because there is such an intimacy and we know our spouses so well, that until we learn how to disagree in a godly way, I think very often in marriages, the spouse, the husband, or the wife knows exactly what to say to intentionally put shame on the other person. Be. Right? Because that's how you win an argument, is if you can deflate the other person for who they are rather than what they did. And it it can be more than just pushing buttons too, though. I think it's also that we have two individuals Mm -hmm. who are presenting in one way and the other one is looking at the other going, where on earth is this coming from? Mm. And so to to have the ability to be vulnerable and say, hey, I don't know if I'm on the right track here, but this is how that sounds to me. Right. and that's a super vulnerable place to be. I mean, you're you're putting your heart out in front of your spouse, right? And you're saying, "I'm leaving it open for you to smash whatever it is that I have to say." Right. But the but the reality is that everything that we go through has a way of um, anchoring a kind of belief in our in our minds and our hearts. Um, and I think that's where shame comes in. Yeah, and I think even as you talk about being vulnerable, um, you know, it's almost impossible if shame is, you know, dominating the inside of me because I can't, I can't handle it. Mm -hmm. I already feel so bad about myself. I am bad. Why be vulnerable? You're just going to add on to it, you know. And and when we look at concrete examples, you know, we can. We'll also look at parents and children. Yeah. Um, you know how easy it is for a parent to instill shame in their child and not know it. Um, you know, in one of those areas is is addressing what they did and say you're bad because you did whatever instead of saying, okay, the thing you did was bad, but you still have value. Yes. You know. Um, also, how we respond to coworkers, how we respond to our bosses, our friends. You know, those kinds of things we'll <clears throat> we'll look at. And then um, we're also going to look at how we can move towards praising God. You know, that once, as Josh was talking about, if our identity is rooted in Christ and we begin to grow in that, and as we become aware of this, what's known as shame-based identity, as we are being uh, sanctified, then our praise for God should begin to grow because now the focus is off of us and it's more on God. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and like we had said when we were preparing for this podcast, we had talked about the fact that shame comes from an unhealthy view of yourself mm-hmm. and often an unhealthy view of who God is. Yes. And as we move out of shame into that place of praise that you're talking about, what happens is we get a shift where we start having a healthy view of ourselves and a healthy view of God. And that's the healing process that we right. often talk about in Celebrate Recovery or marriage counseling or many of our, our areas of support is making that transition from an unhealthy view of God and yourself to a healthy view of you and God. And we'll also look at the solutions that we come up with to deal with uh, the feeling that shame gives us. You know, sometimes that can be uh, improving myself, the whole self-help, self-empowerment, self-efficacy. Sometimes it's the denial. We blame others because we can't handle it, so we refuse to take our responsibility. Or we ignore consequences. Um, You know, we just say, well, that's you. And you're just going to have to deal with it because this is who I am. Um, but then we'll also look at a uh, healthy solution, which obviously is our relationship with Christ and, and intimacy with Him. And then we'll also uh, look at some practical steps that we can take uh, in our lives uh, to help us with that, which that will also include um, you know, questions we can ask to evaluate ourselves and, and relationships, being involved in community and, and those kinds of things. But what we wanted to, to kind of end on today is, is looking at where this whole series is coming from, which is um, the Adam and Eve story and the, and the story of the fall. So we're going to look at Genesis 3, um, going to read verses 1 through 10. And uh, this is the NLT, which is the, the Bible that we sell here at the, uh, at the church. And it starts off and says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? She said, Of course we can eat fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it, because if you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. When the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Now there's an hour's worth of discussion that we could have on all of that. And uh, we may come back to this during the, uh, the series. Um, you know, the whole idea that Eve is having a discussion with the serpent, where's Adam, you know, all of that. But we really want to focus in on verse 7. <clears throat> and it says, this is right after they ate the apple. It says, at that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame. Now, that's the first time we see that word because, again, they've been in intimacy with God. They 
obviously uh, walk in the cool of the day with him. He knows them. They know him. And so once they sin, once they miss the mark, shame comes. But it's interesting. The shame is not about what they did. The shame is because they're naked. Right. Which, as we were preparing for this, as we read it, we said, oh, wait a minute, that kind of changes everything. Because even later in verse 10, or excuse me, in verse 11, God said, who told you you were naked? So what's great about God is God is addressing the issue of the shame right away. Mm-hmm. You know, their shame was the fact that they were aware that they were naked. It doesn't say anything about them feeling bad about what they did. And I think Josh was the one that said it when we were talking, and or it may have been Doug. I know it wasn't me. Um, one of you said it, was when he came, when God came, if it was just a guilt issue, they would have run to him. Right. Which one of you said that? I think that was Josh. Okay. It we're going to go with Josh. Seems, uh, it was, sounds smart, so it was probably Josh. You said Josh. They, would, they would have run to him to confess. Right, because it wouldn't have been an identity issue. They had heard God walking through the garden many, many times, and often they join him. So if it had only been about the action rather than their identity, they would have been able to run to God when they heard him coming and say, we've done something, we're in trouble, what do we do? How do we undo it? But because it was a shame issue, they felt like they had to hide and withdraw from God. Yeah, and I think, and we'll discuss this as well as we go through the weeks, is this confusion between guilt and and shame. Yeah. Because they didn't even know they were, you know, you've heard this before, they, they didn't even know they were naked. And so, you know, for those of you that have small children, they're not even aware they're naked. They don't care. They'll run through the house naked. Mm-hmm. But there's always a moment where they become aware of their nakedness and they start covering up. Mm-hmm. You know, so like you were talking about before, Doug, this whole vulnerability thing, Mm -hmm. there's a vulnerability there that they didn't even know they were vulnerable before. They didn't have to worry about being vulnerable before God. And it's interesting because, you know, God comes in verse 9 and says, where are you? Obviously, God knows where he was, but he's asking it for Adam's benefit. Like, hey, where are you? You Mm -hmm. know, look at where you are. And, and Adam's reply is, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Mm-hmm. So now the concept of being afraid, it doesn't say if he was afraid of God. It doesn't say he was afraid, but it says he was afraid because I was naked. Right. And yet intimacy with God and with others is going to happen because we are, quote unquote, naked in front of other people. Right. Mm-hmm. And yet we spend so much time covering up. But that wasn't the plan. Right. That's right. So you can kind of see, and I think Doug was referencing this yesterday, how powerful shame is yeah, and how it can wreck your life. Yeah. I mean, it wrecked Adam and Eve's. I mean, their life was different. God still loved them. And interesting what you said, Josh, their identity didn't change. It felt like their identity had changed. Yeah. That's exactly They right. internalized that it had changed. I mean, how many times have you heard someone say, who has come back to church and has been away and said, you know, I just, I don't know, I don't think God will receive me. You know, I don't think he'll forgive me for what happened. It happens all the time. That's, we hear that all the time. Yeah, that's shame. I know that this may be kind of reading between the lines here, but a lot of times our enemy, the devil, comes along, tempts us to do something 
that is wrong and then immediately accuses us of being all of the things that we just did. Yeah. And like, look at what this says about you. Yes. I know it doesn't directly say this in Genesis, but it wouldn't surprise me to find out that in the end that the serpent basically whispered to them, well, look at what you did. Mm. This is the kind of person that you are. And when you come from a shame-based identity, whether it's from your past or a misinterpretation of an action that you've taken, then you have a hatred of yourself. Mm -hmm. You can't accept yourself, which makes it impossible Mm -hmm. for you to believe that someone else can accept you, Mm -hmm. right? So they could not fathom that God would still want them because they didn't want themselves. And that's the destructive nature of what shame does to you. I mean, and think of how powerful that is because they had been in complete intimacy with God. Mm-hmm. I mean, they knew him, he knew them, but that one that one thing, and they made the assumption that, well, God can't forgive me for this because I am changed. Yeah. I am different. Mm-hmm. Now, because of what happened, instead of going, what I did was wrong, I need to go confess, which mm-hmm. the Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 9, to confess our sins, you know, we have, but, but believing that God is going to forgive, mm. you know? And think about the question that God asks. I think a lot of times when we interpret God's question, I think we, because of our fallen nature, interpret that question as anger. Like we picture God going, where are you? But he doesn't come in angry saying, what did you do? Mm-mm. I think it's softer. Mm-hmm. I think he's saying, where are you? Mm-hmm. This is where we meet. Yes. Why aren't you meeting with me? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's exactly how God responds to our shame. Like we try to run away from God because we don't want him to see who we have become. Foolishly, because of course he knows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But his question isn't, what have you done? Right. His question is, where are you? I'm here. And you know, it's, it's so funny because if you have kids, you know that if your kid does something wrong, you never for a moment think, okay, that's it. You're no longer my kid. You know, it's almost within us to, to recognize the transgression, right. but at the same time to then come back together again and to say, you know, we're going to do things differently from now on, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's in us to do that. And if it's within us to do that, yeah. how much more is it with the Father? And again, it's not that there aren't consequences, because if you keep reading in three, there are consequences to their behavior. You know, they, they have to own up, which they didn't do. They have to own up to their sin, their missing of the mark. But like Doug is saying, the identity hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. And so I think, Josh, what you said is a, is a good segue to end this podcast and begin the next one, which is I think God is asking everybody, where are you? Cause I'm, and he's saying, because I'm here. Right. So where are you? And so, you know, as you're listening to this today, where are you? You know, if this is resonating with you and you want to you know, talk to somebody, we, you know, at the end we'll have a number that you can uh, call us and, and talk with someone and, and work your way through um, maybe a shame-based identity, you know, something that um, God would want to uh, give us 
his eyes, mm-hmm. you know, because like Josh said earlier, you know, uh, uh, shame is an incorrect view of myself and of God, you know. And so if that gets back in alignment, what kind of difference could that make in, in your life, you know, in our lives? So, it would be transforming. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Good. Well, let's pray and we'll, uh, we'll end today. God, we, we certainly do thank you for the love that you bestow upon us. And uh, Lord, I pray for those that are listening today uh, and for us in this room, Lord, that uh, if there's anything in us that is believing that we're not worthy of your love, I pray that you would you would heal that, Lord. Bring it to our attention. Uh, Lord, bring people into our lives that can help us um, walk uh, closer to you and to experience the unconditional love that you offer. And um, that all started in creation and continued through the ages. And uh, because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross, we, we have access to you. And so, God, help us to believe that and to begin walking towards you. And, uh, Lord, we will uh, keep our eyes open for you, keep our ears open for you, and trust that you will guide us as is best by your right hand. And it's in your Son's name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If we can be an encouragement for you in your prayer life, or if you'd just like to connect with us at Brookwood Care Ministries, you can do so by calling us at 864-688-8355, or you can visit our website, brookwoodchurch.org forward slash care. Going to read verses 1 through 10. Sorry about that. Be ready for that one. That one was... <clears throat> I even turned. Was that Hebrew? That was. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry about that, whoever's editing.